Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind the scenes videos and two minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can also find us every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30 at bff.fm. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, we're taking you back to Sundance yet again with probably one of the more powerful documentaries, at least, I, I think, um, just because of the personal connection that we have to it. It's, it's called A Thousand Cuts, uh, and it's a documentary basically about freedom of the press, things that we're really worried about right now, but it's situated in the Philippines with Maria Ressa, who is um, an established journalist and cre- uh, founder of Rappler, which is basically the NPR of the Philippines. Um, and so this documentary follows her and her fight for uh, freedom of the press. And uh, we got to sit down with Ramona Diaz, who's the director, and Ruby Barra, who is local Bay Area musician who created an original song for the film. And uh, it was heavy. It was heavy and it was scary because it really mirrors what we're going through right now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, similar, although I would say the Philippines seems like it's a little more dangerous. Um, but very similar. Well, because he's just outright saying, I will murder you. Right. And we're talking about uh, Duterte, President Duterte. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's just outright saying, I'll murder you. And it's not my fault if you get murdered. Right. (laughs) Like just really with no limitations, you know? So I think the scary part is I was trying to think about him and Trump. And I feel like Trump is not as smart as Duterte. 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 Um, and I don't know if Duterte is actually smart, but I feel like he's like a couple, couple grades above Trump in a well, weird, in a weird <laughs> way, but he also just feels diabolical and I don't feel like Trump is dial. I don't know. Duterte, I don't know if that makes well, sense. Duterte is like a, like, he's like a real politician in that sense, you know, like, you know, kind of groomed to be a president as opposed to Trump who is just like, has no business being a president ever that Duterte does, but at least he's got some kind of experience to for somebody to go okay this guy can actually run you know yeah i was gonna say too i think we learned from that documentary about imelda marcos and i'm blanking on the name of that doc kingmaker Kingmaker. as we learned from the kingmaker we know that duterte um was backed by the marcos regime and i think that's really interesting to note as well in all of this because um uh, you know, you, some could say that that happened here with Trump. Uh, we do know that he was most likely backed by the Russians and he was placed, uh, placed elected, whatever, as president. And then uh, I think, you know, Duterte, Duterte is it a, a democracy there? Supposedly. All to say is that I feel like they both got a, a quote unquote elected in the same manner. So. Yeah, and they're running off of the same playbook, this machismo, misogynist, like, I take care of things, I'm the man, and just want to come in. I mean, what's happening in Portland, just send the feds and and we'll beat them right. into, into some sort of peace. You know, they right. they run off the same playbook, and so which is why we really need to be paying attention to what's happening there, because it's, it's either happening at the same time here or it will happen. I mean, it's just the next step, right? And um, just to bring up what's happening most recently with Maria Ressa in June of this year, she was convicted of cyber libel 
And a little background on this, this is based on um, something that was written, published on Rappler in 2012, and it was linking a popular businessman in the Philippines to illegal drugs and human trafficking. But the kicker is this, this article came out two years before these cyber li libel laws came into effect. And the only reason that she's in court uh, and got convicted of this was because there was a um, there was a correction made on this article. So to them, that constitutes a republication of the article. So it's just some work around, reach around bullshit. Uh, Amal Clooney is representing her. Oh. And, you know, they're definitely going to be appealing this. And, you know, hopefully she gets let off yet again. Um, mm -hmm. But it's minimum six months to up to seven years in, in prison for, for this bullshit, this nonsense. And, and she's just, um, she's this little Filipino woman. Mm -hmm. and she's just so fearless and she was telling journalists outside of the court she's like if you don't use your rights you will lose them and she was like you know what they're trying to strike fear they're trying to shut us up and that's the last thing we can do like don't you know the, I, i'm being made to be a cautionary tale and don't don't um don't be afraid we can't like right now more than ever so uh just pay attention to what's happening to her and um and if, if we lose our freedom of the press um we're fucked we're already fucked but you know, we, we can't, it's just, if you care about one thing, you care about all of it. If you care about black lives matter, if you care about, you know, all of these things that we're going through, then you have to care about freedom of the press as well. Agreed. So anyway, enjoy your interview <laughs> and please see a thousand cuts. It's streaming everywhere. August 7th, uh, video on demand. And apparently if theaters are open there, as well. but, <laughs> but uh, check, check, uh, Google it and check it out. August 7th, really powerful, really important documentary. Thank you so much for being here, ladies. We are delighted to talk about this film. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. So I'm going to go ahead and start with you, Ramona. Can you please tell us a little bit about A Thousand Cuts? So A Thousand Cuts is really um, a look at the Philippines under President Duterte at this time through the backdrop of um, uh, the midterm elections and specifically through the point of view of one journalist who is speaking out against Duterte, Maria Ressa. Um, and so we look at uh, the drug war through the prism of disinformation and, um, and press freedom. Sounds a lot like a country I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure sounds, what you're talking about. I, sounds I, very familiar. <laughs> yeah, the parallels are uncanny. Uh, but how did you meet Maria and, and learn about Rappler and, and, and get into this? I knew I wanted to do a film about Duterte and the drug war because like in 2016, I started seeing all these horrific photos on my Facebook page and it, it, you know there were photos I couldn't turn away from right I mean I've built a career on telling Filipino and Filipino American stories so it was one thing that was I was being drawn to so I had this idea of making this film about Duterte and the drug war not really knowing what it was so I was on the ground in Manila in like May 18 2018 mid 2018 and I met a lot of uh you know, opposition and people in his inner circle, just trying to figure out how to tell the story. And then I thought, you know, I should really talk to journalists. And the loudest voice against Duterte at that time was Rappler and Maria Ressa. So one thing led to another. I met her. Um, and actually, I have a funny story about that. If we have time, I can tell you later. But okay. we met her. And, uh, and then one thing led to another. And, you know, Access takes time in documentaries, especially the kinds of documentaries I do. They're very immersive. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay a long time. Presence is key. 
Um, but she gave us full access in the end. Yeah. And you um, just mentioned Facebook, and I was really struck by the numbers of um, uh, social media users in the Philippines. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, for three years running now, we um, Filipinos spend the most time on social media, like 10 hours a day, uh, which is crazy. It is a social media uh, country. Well, we were at the texting capital before texting ever became a thing. I remember visiting in, what was it, late the late 90s? And everyone was texting. I had no idea what it was. Like, On their flip phone? Yes. Okay. I mean, this was before everyone, <laughs> right. everyone, before everyone is texting, I, I'm, before the aughts, so yeah, before yeah. 2000s. Um, and they were also good at it with those small keyboards you know, like, <laughs> where you had to press five times to get to what you want. Um, T9. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they've always been ahead, and I think it's... Um, has to do with the national character. We hate saying no. So texting is perfect, right? Because you don't even have to reply, right? Um, so it, we're non-confrontational. So social media is great. Texting's great. So it really, really aligns with the national character. So I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm just laughing because my two teammates here are Filipina. That, that, so that you true, have though? totally... Isn't that true? Yes. Yeah, yes. You, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for... Yes. She could probably uh, admit that that's exactly what you just described is how to she deals with, two, with the two of us. Yeah. Ah, okay. you, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Hit the, you hit the nail on the passive yeah. aggressive head. Yeah. Yeah, so Ruby, I want to get you in on, yeah. the, on the conversation. How did you get involved with this project? Um, I was honored to receive a, an email from their team one day and they were asking if, I think they were initially looking at one of my music that I had produced um, prior from mm -hmm. um, my previous album. And as a conversation continued around, you know, making this music for the specific film, um, I think it was. It might have been Ramona's idea to yeah. bring up. Um, why don't we create something original, um, specifically for this documentary? And um, you know, we were in a very tight uh, time frame, mind you. This was also during the holidays. But at the same time, just me being such a big fan of Maria's work, and also having just uh, recently learning about Ramona's work as well. Um, so, kind of a, a side story. I, I met. Ramona and Maria in person for the first time when I was out in the Philippines. Um, I actually had a chance to perform at the Rappler Studios mm -hmm. um, last year in March. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, I think, during the time where Maria had just gotten arrested again. And um, me and my band were unaware that she was actually already released. So we were in the middle of uh, filming our performance and then in walks in Maria into the office and then I'm just there trying to keep my composure and remembering my lyrics I'm like oh my right. god it's Maria Ressa yeah. just walked into she's the room she's a superhero and yeah. Yeah, for me she, she definitely is an icon she's a superhero and what I love about her and Ramona too is that they're both Penais who are fearless in the work that they do and um, I think that very much aligns with my values and also my artistry. So when it came to the opportunity of um, creating an original song for this movie, of course I had to say yes, and I wanted to be a part of it um, in any chance that I could. And it totally makes sense. I mean, Ange and I know who you are, yeah. but I think the audience is listening doesn't know who you are. So so happy that you were brought on board for this film. It makes total sense. So. It was an honor. No, yeah. it was great. Yeah, I have to say I've never been so excited <laughs> to wait for the credits. I'm like, where's the song? <laughs> Let me hear it. It's so it's so good. This is like the perfect marriage. But you don't understand. She came, I mean, we were all like crazy trying to get through the finish line, right? And this idea of creating an original song at like the 12th hour. <laughs> but she just jumped in. She's like, sure. I'm like, okay, here's the film. We sent her a link. 
And the first thing she sent back, we were like all blown away. I mean, she totally got it the first time. There were a few things, you know, tweaks here and there. But for the most part, it's what she has submitted for the very first time. It's just great. It's I mean, just amazing. It's, it's the premise of the doc. Strong women make things happen. There you go. I mean, this Rappler yeah. is not backed by any big business. It's run by women. Yes. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the filming of this because, you know, Maria puts herself right on the front lines. Uh, so did you or your crew ever feel uh, threatened or, or any certain way by following her and just kind of like, all right, make the sign of the cross and jump in? That Basically that. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a scene in the film where... Um, Maria's talking to her sister, right? Mm. One of the hotel scenes. Yes. And, and Maria's saying, you know, you just figure it out and you just do it, right? You're, if you're good with it, you do it. I think that's how I felt. Like, if I had thought about it too much, I would, I think, um, fear would have gotten uh, the better of me. And But I think that in years to come, I would have regretted not doing this. I'm a documentary filmmaker. If I shied away from this, I think the big regret, it would have been. So the imagined regret was stronger than the fear hmm. at that moment. So I just did. I, I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, my concern was the local crew who had to stay behind, mm-hmm. right? So we had to have that conversation. We are leaving after the shoot. You're staying. Yeah. It's perfectly okay if you don't want to still be involved right I mean we gave them a way out and each and every one of them stayed they said no this is a good this is the right story to tell and we should tell it it was amazing yeah and uh, the gut punch of hearing the war on drugs again I was like this this was already done in the US and it didn't work so can you talk about that that through line too in the film yeah the drug war you know um, it, uh, candidate Duterte right mm-hmm. when he was running for president he promised the drug war. He promised that he would get each and every drug pusher, drug killer, every, you know, that was, he ran on that, right? And he made good on his promise. But no one, I think, ever really understood that it was extrajudicial killings, right? He was gonna, the, basically the police is like allowed to go out and without any due process, gun down alleged Right, drug users and drug killers uh, and drug pushers. The poor, the poor, yeah, yeah, and they're extrajudicial because they don't go through the due process. But the narrative of the police is that they fight back, you know. But uh, forensics show that they they don't have. I mean, they don't have the means to fight back. The police are armed, right? They're running away. So a lot of them are shot in the back. They're mm-hmm. not fighting back, right? right. They're running away. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's horrific. The numbers are like 27,000 extrajudicial killings, according to human rights groups. And before this film, I saw the film The Kingmaker. Yeah. And, I mean, there was obvious planting of evidence on film, which was insane. So, yeah, thank you for capturing all of that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, and I'm glad that you bring this up in the film. Um, you know, I have some family members in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I asked them, like, how, what do you feel? How do you feel about about Duterte? You know, because obviously it, it's horrible. We we face this with our own president, pretty much down to the T. I mean, the nepotism, the the fake news. Like, basically, they're running from the same mm-hmm. rule book. Um, and my family members there, as you spoke to in the film, were like, well, you know, it doesn't affect me, and you know, there's less. And I'm just like, wait, what do you mean? And and you speak to that. So thank you for for talking about that and how that's, you know, that's that's a dangerous way of thinking. Yeah, because I think the numbers are so horrific. I mean, they're so high, right? 27,000. It boggles the imagination. I, I think at some point, 
that you stop thinking, you have to stop thinking about it to live in the country, right? But then on the other hand, you can't. You can't afford to turn your eyes away because they will be coming for everyone, right? Where is the line? That, you know, they'll never stop, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's the drug pushers and drug dealers. They were talking about, you know, and then he went after the tanbais, the loiterers. They could, people couldn't loiter. But if you, if you look at the neighborhoods, those neighborhoods, like, encourage you to just, you know, you're sitting on the stoop because it's hot inside. So, yeah, so when, where, where does it stop? They don't think mm -hmm. of impunity, right? Once mm -hmm. you give the government, like, a, you know, a means to kill and not question it it doesn't stop mm -hmm. and i and i think i think that uh ruby i think you're a great spokeswoman for mm -hmm. what's happening in in the philippines and spreading your message and, and being socially conscious in your music and, and i really appreciate that so can you talk about your process of like what's happening there and, and trying to bring it out here and, and making it mainstream um, I think with every work that I do with my music, I understand that as an artist, just like as a director or you know a filmmaker, um, the work that you put out, it's it's on a larger platform, and you're not essentially when, once the product is out, you're not just speaking for yourself. You're also going to be uh, influencing others. So when I do talk about what's going on in the Philippines, um, I try to do you know m careful research on it and make sure that what I'm saying is um, not only positive but also unfiltered and unbiased, not, not just having my opinions, but realistic to what's actually going on. And um, with a lot of the work that I do, too, I also am mindful that, you know, as a Filipino-American, a lot of people, especially in my age group and um, within my generation, we don't really have that connection anymore to the homeland. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's important that what's going on over there is very real and we should care about and we should... Um, know about what's going on over there because it directly affects us and it's like what you guys have been mentioning in, in this conversation it's aligned with what's going on in this country as well mm -hmm. well thank you so much for being here it's really been an honor appreciate it oh thank, thank you, you for so having much. us thank you it's great thank you Thank you so much to Ramona Diaz and Ruby Ibarra of the documentary A Thousand Cuts. Don't forget to check it out. It's streaming everywhere August 7th. And uh, yeah, I, I really think Ramona Diaz is a fireball. She loved the whole bitch talk thing. She was like, we were talking about being Filipino. And <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what well, she called say. it. <laughs> uh, she, um, it was like she knew our entire relationship. Our dynamic? <laughs> yes. She knew right away. By our, um, I mean Shar and I's with yes. Aaron. Yes. Yes. Our well, knows with the non-Filipino. Yeah. It, it, it helped Aaron figure out tactics on how to deal with Angie and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to re-listen to this interview and take uh, more notes. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But no, they, um, it's just always cool to be in an interview of like all women and it was just yeah. all Asian women. And I, I don't know, it's just, no, it felt nice. It, felt it was good. definitely, well, it's definitely a proud moment, you know, being at Sundance and then being right. with uh, other, you know, you know, a successful Filipino, you know, filmmaker and uh, you know, an artist like Ruby, which yeah. by the way, it's like, we've been wanting Ruby on the show forever. For like, like a real sit down interview yeah this was the first time we actually were able to connect with her in sundance right we're all from the bay Area. yeah <laughs> and you know uh obviously this one you know she wasn't um as prominent in the conversation as much as the other sundance conversation we had with her but uh uh which we've already released haven't we yes mm -hmm. yep 
we released that. Yep. So yeah, if you want to go way back, there's another interview with just uh, you two and and Ruby. And that was a crazy day because that's the day that Kobe died. So it was just like a fucking. <laughs> it yeah, was we, just as a as a hard day. You guys we lost, almost lost my bag. We interviewed <laughs> oh, her that like too. We yeah. interviewed her the second after I found out that Kobe had passed. So I I really don't think I was really in that interview. Thankfully, Aaron carried it because I we were in a bar as well, and I could see the TV in the background yeah. like with Kobe's face while we were interviewing Ruby, and I was just like. I wasn't really there, but anyway, sorry, Charles. And and well, no, like in um, what's it called? I a thousand cuts was like the first movie from Sundance that I got to screen, quote unquote, because Angie and I watched it while we were driving over to to, to Utah. The park yeah. yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. We watched it too. I tried to save because obviously there's no possible way you can one person can watch all the movies that they had to watch no or that we had to watch for sundance we covered 69 in total you know collectively right so i saved some for the drive and ones that i thought maybe Shar would enjoy and i was like oh let's let's watch about the philippines together and yeah we plugged the aux cable in so that i could listen because i couldn't exactly watch right <laughs> yeah. no yeah no. Um, no that was fun to watch it together though it was cool yeah, and I, you know, I, I had heard stories of what was going on in the Philippines, but didn't really know. And, and I, it's, it's scary. Um, it's a scary time right now, uh, politically and as a press person there. So, um, Maria so Ressa I, is like our, is like RBG, you know, the journalist version of RBG. Totally. Like, stay strong, stay protected, yeah. you know, keep fighting. We need you more than right. ever. Right. We had a great conversation with Ramona. I really liked her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Ruby, um, who's, uh, who's, who's our homie, Bay Area homie, um, and really important that her song is, is in this film. So, so good. Yeah. And, and what a great surprise that, uh, we got to actually see her at Sundance. Cause you know, also to the point that, uh, we've only gone to Sundance two years in a row and who knows what the hell's going to happen in 2021, but there's not a lot of Brown people there. Uh, and there's way more men than women. So it was nice to, like Ange said, have a, have a table full of brown women uh, talking about film at Sundance. So hopefully there's more to come in that. And um, if we're going to wrap up, I just want to say thanks for listening. And don't forget to head to our website to sign up for our monthly e-news. We just sent one out. So you already missed August, but you can sign up for September. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. Yeah. If I fall, I stand up, break these walls, I rise up Even when I lose it all, I always got my eyes up They praying on my downfall, but I'll never give up A thousand cuts won't be enough to keep my fists in these cuffs uh. And I'm never breaking down when the odds against me bound.